Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Global ADHD Warriors Conference. It's such an honor to have each and every one of you here today. Thank you to our speakers, thank you to our sponsors, and thank you each for being here today. At this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Welcome. Thank you, Gigi. So again, welcome to the Global ADHD Warriors Conference tonight. We will hear from some speakers on the topic ADHD. For those that don't know, that is an acronym for Adult Attention De Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Some of you may already experience this disorder and some of you may have symptoms. Grab your pen and pad, so let's take some notes. At the end of this event, you will be more educated. So let's get started. I'd like to introduce you to our host, Regine Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, award-winning author, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of What With Me podcast on JRQ-TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC, endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, Gigi. Thank you. Such an honor to be here. So first, we're going to hear from our keynote speaker, Amy Lee Westerville. Amy Lee is a dream design coach and mindset expert who works predominantly with sensitive and emotionally intelligent entrepreneurs. Through her signature programs and coaching, she has assisted in the transformation of thousands of business owners from anxious to unaware to empowered and abundant. Very powerful. Her unique law of attraction-centric approach marries gratitude and personal value. She strives to leave her clients with affinity for the finer things of life and a deep belief in their worthiness for those experiences. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our keynote speaker, Emily Worcesterville. Thank you so much, Dr. Lakeisha. It is such a pleasure to be here with all of you and to represent the lighter side of ADHD, right? This is something that I have struggled with, uh, grappled with, had the gift of, I like to say, since I was in high school. And uh, without betraying how long ago that was, let's just say that I've had some time to get used to ADHD in my life. So to give you guys a little bit of a background, um, I am a life coach and a neuro, uh, master neuroenergetics practitioner. I help people to rewire their brains for success. It's one of the things that I think is most powerful. And one of the things that really kind of uh, holds back, I think, us ADHD entrepreneurs is our limiting beliefs. And I'll talk about that in a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a mom of five children under the age of 11. I'm married to uh, the man of my dreams. I have a wonderful business. We live outside of Savannah, Georgia. And I am not a person who is uh, or who is intrinsically organized. In fact, one might argue that I am, um, if you've ever heard of the term domestic goddess, I am like the undomestic goddess. I am the one who doesn't do the laundry, doesn't take care of the kids. I, I do the business and my husband takes care of the children. Now, incidentally, my husband has non-diagnosed ADHD. So he knows he has it. He has all the symptoms, but he hasn't had a formal diagnosis. So I have two parents with five kids and who knows how many animals we have at this point. How can we be successful knowing that we have this neurodivergence, knowing that this is something that we again, get to experience. And so for a long time, I allowed my ADHD and the experience of having ADHD to be a label on myself that gave me permission 
not to succeed, not to excel. There was a time when it was like, well, I have ADHD, so I don't know what to tell you. Well, I need this accommodation. Well, I, you know, and I allowed my ADHD to be the reason why I couldn't do things or why I did them differently or why I struggled with them. And what I've come to realize after years and years of coaching, after all of the experience I've had being a mom, is that the biggest mistake that you can make as an ADHD entrepreneur, and this is like bar none, the biggest mistake, is how you talk to yourself about the way that things go, okay? So any event that you experience in your life is neutral in and of itself. I did the laundry. I didn't do the laundry. The sun came up. The sun didn't come up. The car's in the driveway. The car's in the garage. Those are neutral things. What we do, especially as ADHD folks, right? Because we have this hypersensitivity to sensory perception, okay? ADHD is often called attention deficit disorder. But the truth is, it's actually, as uh, Dr. Edward Hallowell in his book, Delivered from Distraction says, it's attention surplus disorder. It's not that I'm distracted and I can't see what's going on. It's that I can see out of my peripheral vision. I can remember what I was supposed to do yesterday, what I'm supposed to do tomorrow, what I'm thinking about right now, what's going on across the street. And all of that is trying to come into my reticular activating system or the RAS at the exact same time. Okay, so let's just imagine that you're sitting at your desk, you're going about your business, and all of a sudden somebody drops 20 folders on your desk that all have different subjects and says, hey, I need all of these in the next 10 minutes. You look at them and be like, on what planet? Where would you ever expect me to do that? Right? You would know all of these things at the same time. There's no way I can deal with them. And yet we make ourselves wrong for this exact thing all of the time. When I'm writing out my grocery list and all of a sudden my phone rings and I get distracted because something else came into my peripheral. When my kid comes to the door and says, mom, I need something. When somebody says, hey, can you do me a favor? When the lawn starts mowing and I'm like, lawnmower next door. That's right. I've got to do my lawnmower. But yet so many of us make ourselves wrong for having this overload of information. So we can't change how many things come into our lives, especially as multi-passionate people, parents, keynote speakers, you know, uh, people on committees, all of the hats that we, I mean, look at Gigi alone. Like, I don't know how she keeps it all straight. She's pretty much the woman of all trades. So how do we then make the shift that's going to give us that success? How as people who acknowledge that we're getting bombarded and everything is trying to take that first place. Nothing goes, oh, okay, well, I can wait. Nothing can wait. When you're ADHD, it's like everything goes into the first spot. The second it happens, it goes right into the first spot, the first spot, the first spot, the first spot. So how do we deal with this? And the answer to that is I don't make myself wrong. I change the voice in my head from what the heck, you haven't gotten this done yet and you haven't done this and you haven't done this to, all right, girl, we're a little on, we're a little in the weeds right now. What's the first thing we have to do? Look at you go. Did you see you just checked that off? That was amazing. Oh my goodness. You're trying to do three loads of laundry today. That's pretty ambitious. But what if we did one? When I started paying attention to my inner voice and shifting the way I spoke to myself and the way that I received 
what I did and what I didn't do, my entire life changed. Because instead of making myself wrong for what I didn't do, I started to value the things that I did. And do you know what this did, ADHD folks? This provided a level of dopamine, a checking of the box that I had never received before. Because I was so busy trying to get the next thing done, I missed the most important part, the positive feedback. And so when I shifted this inner voice, all of a sudden, all it was was positive feedback. You just, you know, you just did the grocery list. Great job. Look at you. You've got the peppers. Way to go. You didn't forget the spaghetti sauce. Oh my gosh. You, you budgeted that you were going to spend 30 minutes in here and it was 27. Look at you go. And I became so addicted to the connectedness to the, to that inner voice that I knew that as long as I tried, as long as I did something, as long as I was connected to what I desired, that voice was there to tell me, add a girl. And that add a girl is what has powered me through my life pretty much up to this point. Do I still make mistakes? Absolutely. But it's how I don't make myself wrong for them. I look and see that it's nine o'clock and I haven't fed the kids yet right? Old me goes, wow, it's nine o'clock. What kind, you know, your kids are going to get in bed at 11, right? Like that's old me. New me goes, oh gosh, it's a, it's nine o'clock. We totally lost track of time. It's okay. What are we going to do right now to get these kids fed and in bed as fast as we can? I'm telling you this one tiny shift will change your entire life. It'll change the way you feel about yourself, which will change the way that you portray yourself to the world, which will change the way that the world magnetizes to you. You can't make a mistake. The event itself, it's neutral. The only thing you can mess up is how you make yourself wrong about what happened. And you can choose right this minute to stop making yourself wrong. You can choose right in this minute to say, you know what? For the rest of my life, until I take my last breath, I'm going to be human. And you own that humanity. You own the distraction and you own the focus, the hyper-focus, I should add. You own the love and you own the laziness. You own the up and you own the down. And when you give yourself permission to be all of you, that is when you are going to find the experience of humanity is going to feel like the most beautiful gift instead of the most horrible job that you've ever had. And when you go to bed at night and say, okay, what did I get done today? You'll know because you'll be having that dialogue on a daily basis. So I hope that this helped. I hope that this inspired you. And just to wrap up, and if anybody missed the beginning of what I said, If all you ever did was change the way you spoke to yourself, if instead of making your inner voice your enemy and you made your inner voice your friend and you stopped looking at things from the point of view of what you did wrong and what you did right, your entire world and your outcomes will change tremendously. So thank you so much for listening to me today. And I'd like to pass it back to Dr. Lakeisha for the next speaker. Thank you. Thank you, Amy Lee. Thank you, Amy Lee. So this reminds me so much of our event last week. We had an OCD Warriors Conference and I was the keynote speaker. And it's so much like the voice inside your head. You're so on it when it comes to that. So on it. I like when you said change the voice in your head. So on it. And then start valuing the things that you do instead of the things that you don't do. I like that. Thank you so much for sharing with us. 
So our next speaker will be our visionary, Gigi Sabat. Thank you, Dr. James. And oh my goodness, Amy Lee, what a phenomenal talk there. And I love what you said about shifting how you talk to yourself. It's so important. And I think oftentimes while you're walking through life, we tend to forget that, but we need to shift how we talk to ourselves and, and talk to ourselves in a positive manner. And, and today I'm going to talk to you all about standing in your truth in regards to ADHD. And so if you have ADHD, if you're listening to this message today, or you know someone with ADHD, don't give up. And also that does not define who you are. You can achieve your goals. You can achieve all things. I believe in you. And also too, I wanna to circle back to what Amy Lee said in regards to the grocery list, because it tends to come up often in our society as far as the grocery list goes and ADHD. And how do I know that? Because I've been there and, and I'll never forget my mother. She looks at me sometimes, she says, Gigi, sometimes the world may not understand you in regards to the ADHD, but, but I do, because I'm your mother. And I, 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 observe, I observed you since you were a little girl. And, and I, I know exactly why you put those labels when you buy those groceries, because it, you need to see it in front of you. Otherwise you'll forget that it's there. <laughs> you'll forget that it's there. Not just that, I take a little bit longer to write my grocery list than most. Uh, I think I, I sit there for about 10 to 15 minutes writing the grocery list. And then I have to check it off and check it off and check it off. So yes, it does come up often. Can I, can I get an amen for my ADHD warriors out there? Yes, yes. And so the point is, don't give up. Don't give up. And if you face some struggles throughout the day, maybe it is the grocery list. Maybe it is something else. Maybe it's anything that Amy Lee mentioned earlier today. Don't give up. Keep up the good fight. We're right there with you. We understand you. You're not alone. And, and, and do not let your ADHD be the reason why you say, okay, I am going to give up now because I see that often. And, and honestly, if there is a goal in your heart that you've put aside because of your ADHD and you said to yourself, I cannot, I encourage you to circle back to the goal, circle back to it and continue to serve his people and, and do what works for you. Do what works for you. And prayer truly matters. And how do I know that? Pray, prayer works for me and, and do what works for you. And so if it's your faith, then so be it, or higher power. I know we have a few folks who believe in higher power in here tonight. Do what works for you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gigi. I like when you say circle back to the goal and also do what works for you. A lot of us don't do what works for us. So if you're listening today, do what works for you and keep it moving. Thank you so much, Gigi, for sharing. Wow. Our next speaker is Jenna Champagne. She's an autism mom, retired registered nurse, professor, diplomat of medical cannabinoid sciences. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jenna Champagne. Thank you so much, Dr. James. And I'm just so excited to be here. And I love the content so far. I mean, this is just wonderful that we're re reminding people the importance of mindset and the importance of not giving up and the importance of that tenacity um, when we're faced with, with challenges. And that includes those of us that are, that are challenged with ADHD. Uh, myself included. So I'm, I'm glad the title of my speech today didn't scare any of you off. And I appreciate this opportunity to explain my perspective on cannabis for ADHD harm reduction. As a now retired nurse who was never taught medical cannabinoid science in nursing school, I had to learn about this therapeutic option the hard way. 
I, as I mentioned, I suffer ADHD and daily use of cannabidiol or CBD, a non-intoxicating compound derived from the cannabis sativa L plant, has improved my ability to focus on the task at hand. As a college professor, having this tool has been vital, especially when I have a big old pile of papers to grade. <laughs> I'm not alone and many ADHD patients have reported similar benefits. ADHD symptom management wasn't my motivation when I first considered trying cannabis therapy though. Um, it was after suffering a complete health collapse in 2012 and pain management was my initial goal. Um, as a nurse, I was highly motivated to avoid starting down the deadly opioid pathway to manage my severe and chronic pain that resulted from what's ongoing today. I have randomly dislocating joints, very painful. Um, but to my surprise, not only did cannabis manage my pain, but it helped to balance the underlying causes of my illness and my health has transformed as a result from being labeled by my doctor as totally and permanently disabled in 2013 to fully functional now. I didn't expect such profound health results, which included reversal of my autoimmune lupus lab markers. Now, this really got me curious and drove my research journey into cannabis science. And today I will share some of the science explaining how cannabis provides such powerful healing outcomes with focus on how it may remedy ADHD symptoms. I'm also a special needs mom to a 21-year-old daughter with autism who also suffers focus difficulties and while her support needs differ from my own, she also benefits greatly from daily cannabis therapy. My resulting passion for cannabis turned our experiences into purpose, and I've since educated thousands of patients and hundreds of medical professionals on evidence-based strategies to optimize cannabis therapy outcomes. The potential of cannabis to improve ADH symptoms is supported by reputable research studies, and due to limited time, I will only touch briefly on some of the main scientific concepts today. I will also provide resources for my kindreds out there with hungry brains who wish to dig deeper, and I encourage all of you to research this topic for yourself if it resonates. Uh, the photo to the right is the cover of a nationwide magazine that published in 2017 in Barnes & Noble. Uh, it features my daughter's cannabis success story with the citing, citations with the supporting research. The link to this cover page article is below. And for more information on our journey and my current cannabis industry roles, please visit my media kit website below, www.janachampagne.com. But currently hundreds of thousands of patients in the US are choosing therapeutic use of cannabis despite the, com the complex legalities and legal hoops to access. This includes patients suffering ADHD, which is the most common neurobehavioral disorder in childhood which extends into adulthood about in one third of the time. Symptoms of ADHD include inattention, impulsivity, and hyperactivity. While ADHD is a standalone diagnosis, it may also express in other neurological conditions like autism or traumatic brain injury. In fact, some consider ADHD to be very high functioning autism. According to this research by Ayash in 2020, who performed a meta-analysis review of 711 cannabis for ADHD case studies, a six-week treatment course with CBD improved core ADHD symptoms. Results reflect that supplementing with CBD, which is legal and accessible in all 50 states of the US and many international locations, was effective in easing ADHD symptoms in both child and adult subjects. 
CBD being a non-intoxicating compound did not cause any cognitive impairment as is possible with other cannabinoids like THC. I agree with the author's sentiment that more research is needed as these case study compilations are the closest equivalent to real human trials in cannabis research, thanks to gross over-regulation of this safe and effective plant. Regardless, the outcomes of these 711 studies conclude that targeting the endocannabinoid system is a viable approach for treating ADHD. And we'll talk about more about that in just a minute. The screenshot to the right of this is this article, and you'll notice it's from a scholarly journal. It was published in a reputable medical research database. And all of the research I present today meets equally high standards. They're all statistically valid upon review from reputable sources, and I'm happy to furnish a list of citations upon request. For those who are brand new to the concept of the endocannabinoid system, think of it as the human motherboard of our body. It's responsible for maintaining homeostasis, which is our fancy medical term for optimal health balance. And it does this for every other system in the body. This includes promotion of balance in the brain in the specific locations where dopamine neurotransmitter imbalances are inherent to ADHD. The endocannabinoid system or ECS has receptors throughout the body and it also produces vital nutrients known as endocannabinoids that interact with these receptors. So it's similar in structure to like the endocrine and hormone system of our body. And when I say endocannabinoids are vital nutrients, I truly mean it. And it's theorized that life would not be possible without ample production of these vital nutrients with the most prolific source being human breast milk, which is our perfect human food. This further supports my paradigm. When endocannabinoid system receptors are activated, they promote homeostasis or balance, thereby targeting the imbalances underlying all disease states. And endocannabinoid deficiency really reflects this. This was a uh, coined by Dr. Ethan Russo in 2004. And it's a condition where the body is unable to produce enough endo or internal cannabinoids to stay in balance. Cannabis sativa L has the most prolific source of phyto or plant source cannabinoids available to supplement what is lacking in the endocannabinoid system of those who suffer chronic illness, which explains why it may provide such broad benefits when taking as a therapeutic intervention. To summarize, our bodies make compounds that are nearly identical in structure and function compared with the cannabinoids produced by the cannabis plant. Add the fact that cannabis has been used as medicine for thousands of years and boasts an unsurpassed safety profile, and it's only natural to question the incentive for federal restriction of cannabis access to patients in need, especially when we freely allow opioid prescriptions, which kill patients every 18 minutes in this country today. As a nurse, I was taught to follow patient needs, and that has driven my education of cannabis patients and medical professionals and the cannabis advocacy roles I fill today. Oh, but there's more. Uh, here's a brief review of some additional research articles supporting cannabis as an intervention for ADHD. In a meta-analysis of 17 studies by Scoople in 2022, reviewing cannabidiol or CBD for ADHD, Man, this is beginning to sound like an alphabet speech. <laughs> Outcomes reflecting it was effective for reducing hyperactivity while improving focus and impulsivity. Another research article by Miletus in 2019 supports that the CB1 endocannabinoid system receptor is a viable target for improving the dopamine neurotransmitter imbalances that contribute to ADHD symptoms. 
Additionally, a study by Hefstetler in 2023 found that a single dose of CBD improved attention in male rats with ADHD. Clearly, the science trumps the stigma in regards to cannabis as a therapeutic option for treating ADHD symptoms. <clears throat> so we know that CBD may, may benefit those suffering with ADHD by promoting neurotransmitter balance, which may mitigate symptoms and reduce reliance on pharmaceuticals. In an objective risk versus benefit assessment, comparing cannabis versus the pharmaceutical approach for ADHD, cannabis with its unsurpassed safety profile is objectively less risky while also targeting the underlying imbalances, which makes it often the more effective option as well. In addition to reducing reliance on pharma, other common, common outcomes of medical cannabis supplementation include improved quality of life and function. It's clear that cannabis entails fewer risk factors by lacking an LD50 designation or dose at which it's lethal to 50% of the population, meaning even very high doses of cannabis are not harmful with side effects that are beneficial or even enjoyable. This objective risk versus benefit assessment of treating options, of treatment options is vital to ensure medical ethics are upheld in serving patients. Yet we are not educating our medical professionals on this science, thereby compromising cannabis patients' ability to receive competent and ethical medical cannabis care. Many of my advocacy efforts stem from this inherent problem, impeding my goal of creating solid solutions and building a cannabis-inclusive healthcare model that upholds our medical ethics. Currently, the FDA-approved pharmaceuticals for ADHD include stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall, which are basically a type of methamphetamine. We know how dangerous that is. Antidepressants, uh, the SNRIs, the antipsychotics like Abilify and Risperdone, and anxiolytics like benzodiazepines and Ativan. The mainstream pharmaceutical approach is risky as reflected by the list of side effects below, which are not only threatening the quality of life, like extrapyramidal symptoms, which is uncontrollable movement disorder causing tics, plus hallucinations, agitation, headaches, insomnia, nausea, and loss of appetite. Kind of sound like a pharmaceutical commercial. <laughs> Some of the declared pharma side effects are even life-threatening, like suicidal ideation, self-harm, cardiac arrhythmia, seizures, and neuroleptic malignant syndrome. These medications clearly risk harm to any patient using them to treat ADHD, where cannabis has been used historically for thousands of years with no harm ever substantiated from cannabis use alone. It's clear that cannabis should be considered prior to more harmful or invasive approaches in order to uphold our medical ethics and our commitment to do no harm. In fact, the nurse's Nightingale oath that I took dictates that we not administer an unnecessarily harmful medication. That's a quote. Using this logic, cannabis should often be the first recommendation for patients suffering chronic illness. Unity Formula CBD products are optimal therapeutic quality, legal pretty much everywhere, and they offer a mind line of products specifically formulated for those with ADHD and other neurological conditions. The Elevate blend is my favorite, and it's the most popular option for ADHD. And our patient testimonies reflect several patients have weaned reliance off stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall using this product. Unity formulas are hemp compounds. They're not intoxicating. They will not risk functional impairment like THC may cause. And Unity formula also offers free nurse guidance and a special 20% off coupon code for our audience today. So you may want to screenshot this slide. Um, additionally, Unity Formulas are products of purpose, and they donate to my 501c3 Autism Safe Haven, which is committed to cannabis-inclusive autism care resources. Um, so this, this goes much deeper than just providing products to patients. 
Um, I hope this introduction to cannabis helps you expand your paradigm on this important topic and promotes realization of its potential as a harm reduction tool compared with the pharmaceuticals for ADHD. And I hope you will join me in advocating for improved legal access and expanded use of cannabis for our patients in need. Thank you. Thank you. Just trying to get my thing down here. Thank you, Jenna. Always a pleasure to sit through your presentation. I learned so much this week and last week. Thank you so much for your expertise. Yes, of course. And I'm trying to get my screen down here. Let me see. I lost Dr. My James, let's emphasize again that, that she shares reliable sources. Okay, that, let's get that clear. <laughs> so, yes. Absolutely. I, I lost my screen thing here. Hang on, sorry. Absolutely. You got that, Jenna? Yeah, I may have to just connect. There you go. I don't know why it's. There you go. Yay. Technology, <laughs> man. Not my friend. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Jenna. Um, and our next speaker is Dan Dominguez. Dan Dominguez, I don't have a bio for you. So if you could tell us who you are and what you do, we'll be, I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I'm going to get this right. You keep inviting me. I'm going to get this right and get everything into you guys. I got my background. I did my slides. I didn't get you an intro. So for those of you in the audience, plus to my panel, by the way, Amy, love the energy. Thank you so much for kicking us off the way you did. And Gigi, I was listening to you and I'm like, what is she in my house? Because when you're talking about that grocery list and, and the things that we do, I mean, what a great, what a great, great panel. Dr. James, thank you so much for for just being being our host. Lisa, all good. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Lisa and I know each other from my work at Y Institute. And, and you know, the learning about cannabis, you know, thank you so much. You know, it comes back to, let's do what's natural, right? Cannabis is natural. And I just learned so much. And then I'm looking forward to, to looking, uh, to hearing from Judy, because she commented on my post, she had answers when I talked about the gift of ADHD. So I just want to make sure I, I recognize everybody, Cynthia Blackwell. I look forward to hearing from you. But but a little bit about myself. I am the chief growth officer at the Y Institute. And I'm not going to tell you a lot about myself because my presentation is going to tell you a little about a little bit about myself as I go through it. So why don't I just get started? And then if you have any questions, Dr. Blackwell, you can ask me at the end, okay? I mean, Dr. James. All right. Ready? All right, here we go. So let me tell you, let me share my screen and let's get this presentation started. I also didn't get this over to you. So there is no backup. If the slides go bad, the slides are going bad, guys. But I know the story because it's my story. You know, if this was a typical presentation, I would start by telling you that, you know, I graduated high school number one in my class and I was a valedictorian. And that would be something you might be interested in. I would tell you about how I went to college and I finished my MBA in four and a half years. I went right through and finished my MBA in four and a half years. I would also share with you that I joined the Army after college and I retired as a colonel after a 20-year career. I'd also share that I went on to work at Baxter Healthcare. I was a dialysis equipment sales rep and became a leader at Baxter Healthcare, which led me to become the first Hispanic CEO in the history of that company. But if I said those things, they wouldn't be true. So I'm not going to start that way. I got to tell you the real story. The real story is that I actually graduated number nine in my class. Now that's not bad because there are 315 students in my high school class. So I did pretty well academically. 
I didn't get my MBA in four and a half years. I actually got my MBA in 2021 at the age of 51. And I didn't spend 20 years in the Army. I spent 11 years in the Army. I had an 11-year career. And then uh, I did get a chance to do some fun stuff. I got to become an Airborne Ranger and share that with uh, with my, my, my family. People are always impressed that, Dan, you went through Airborne School. How did you do all that stuff? So I get, did get to do some fun stuff in the Army, but I didn't spend 20 years and I didn't retire as a colonel. Now, I did spend 17 years at Baxter Healthcare. That was the longest tenure job that I have. And those of us with ADHD, we can talk about how often we switch careers and switch jobs. I was able to spend 17 years at one place, but I didn't get to be CEO and I was not the first Hispanic CEO at Baxter Healthcare. I left as an area sales director. I managed the sales force for the entire United States at some point, and I was responsible for half a billion dollars in sales. Who gives that kind of responsibility to an ADHD guy? Well, Baxter Healthcare did because they believed in me and I did some good things, right? One of the things that we talked about, and, and I think it was Amy who talked about the fact, you know, doing a lot of stuff at the same time doesn't scare us. We can do that. That's what we do. And so when, as long as those gifts were being taken advantage of, I was real happy there. And like a lot of my friends who've been in corporate, it went real well until it didn't. So why didn't I do that first list of things? Why wasn't I valedictorian? Why didn't I do the full 20 years in the army? Why didn't I stay at Baxter Healthcare if I was extending so fast till I became CEO? Well, you guys that are listening, you know, because those of us with ADHD don't do things the way others do them, do we? We <laughs> do things our own way. We're going to be a little bit different. I ran into this quote. From, from Dr. Laura Onus Webb, who wrote The Gift of ADD. And she talked about the fact that if you have attention deficit disorder, you may act impulsively. You may daydream. You may have trouble focusing. But clinical studies suggest that these same symptoms may make you exceptionally creative. Yes, intuitive and energetic. So in fact, many people with ADD claim to have become successful because of their ADD, not in spite of it. So we have to treat it as the gift that it is. So now I get to tell you a little bit of my story, Dr. James, but I didn't get to tell it in the beginning, but so I didn't, uh, I didn't graduate number one in my class, but how have these challenges that I've had, not, not, not living to my full potential sometimes, shaped my life? Well, one of the things that happened is I didn't, because I wasn't valedictorian, I didn't go away to college. I went to school at the University of New Mexico in my hometown of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and proceeded in my freshman year to get my high school girlfriend pregnant and have a baby. Now, that's not by the book, right? You got your scholarship student. So in 1989, I became a father. And I had a little girl and I became very responsible very quickly. So that shaped my life, right? A little bit. Uh, now, the reason I bring that up is because I talked about finishing my MBA in four and a half years. I didn't do that. But that little girl born in 1989, she did. She went away to college and in four and a half years came back, not with a bachelor. She came back with a master's in business. So I was really glad that that little, that little, turn in my in my career led to something really beautiful. And I love my daughter. You know, I didn't spend 20 years in the army, 
because I didn't like being deployed all the time. I wanted to be home. And I was able to raise that little girl that went on to earn her MBA in four and a half years. I did work for 17 years at Baxter Healthcare. That part is true. But I chose to leave Baxter in 2019 when I came home from a business trip and my wife shared a journal entry from my daughter talking about her birthday coming up. And she was so excited about it, but she was writing about it in the past tense. She was looking into the future. And one of the things she wrote was, unfortunately, my daddy couldn't be there because he had to work. That's like a knife in the heart, right? This is my newest daughter. This is my now, at that time, seven-year-old daughter, my second daughter. And, and then she went on to say, and I wanted to call my daddy, but I could, didn't want to bother him because his work's important. And I made a decision that day. I said, I'm not, this is not how this story is going to end. And I decided to leave that corporate job that was really high paying. And it was taking me jet setting all over the country and doing all kinds of what I thought was important stuff. But I said, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be here in seven years when my now, when my seven-year-old daughter is now 14 and doesn't know who I am and doesn't like her dad. So, so what's made the difference, right? So I did something in 2019. So I left Baxter Healthcare, left the security of that corporate job and decided to do something different, but I didn't have a plan. How many ADHD people have done something, made a decision and you don't have a plan for what's next? I did, right? So I, so I left. And one of the things that happened is I got diagnosed with ADHD. Now, this is going to be different from what some of you have probably heard, because this is the doctor who diagnosed my AD, ADD. Unfortunately, that doctor was a dentist. <laughs> he was my dentist and he was a really good friend of mine, but he also happened to be the guy who founded the Y Institute. And he shared with me when I was leaving Baxter and I didn't know what I was going to do next. He said, Dan, he asked me the most important question that I've ever been asked. He said, Dan, do you know your why? So he asked me, do you know your why? And I discovered my why in 2019. He helped me discover my why, my how, and my what. And when I learned that, I learned that my why was to contribute to the successes of others. I love to help people. I can't help myself. If you need help, you say, Dan, can I need help? I'm going to do it. I don't care what I need to do. I'm going to do it. I learned why I was always spread so thin because I was trying to help everybody. I learned my how, which was to challenge the status quo. And some of us with ADHD are always challenging the status quo, doing things different, thinking outside the box. So I learned why I didn't fit in stuffy corporate environments. I learned that my what is to make sense of things. I learned that I solve problems quickly. And those of us with ADHD, we get that. You know, we can look at something and put all the pieces together and I can come up with a solution. And I was like, so I, be, I learned why I am sometimes described as a, pro, a quick problem solver. But that let, you know, so what's the lesson, right? The lesson is Albert Einstein once said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing it is stupid. So I couldn't hold myself to the standards of those corporate guys that were on the way to becoming CEO. They had all their plans to go. Guess what? I didn't plan anything. I was really good at rallying people together and getting sales and building relationships. But they'd ask me for my business plan. I'd be like, what do you mean business plan? I just, we're just going to go out and, and find people that want to buy our stuff. And then we're going to sell it to them. And it worked for 17 years. It worked really well until it didn't. So I like to say that ADHD without bumpers is like being a fish trying to climb a tree. And so for me, discovering my why, understanding how I work inside gave me my bumpers. 
He liked it so much. I learned so much about myself that I joined Gary. In 2019, in December, after I had left my corporate job two months earlier, I joined him as his chief growth officer. And I have since then helped thousands of people discover their why. More importantly, I've helped hundreds of coaches help their clients discover their why. See, I now understand that although I love to help others, I can't overdo it. Because if I try to help everyone, I'm not helping anyone, right? If you're trying to do everything, you can't do anything. I know that I like to do things differently, but I also know that it's not for everybody. Not everybody likes my out-of-the-box ideas and crazy things that I come up with. So I try to work with people who appreciate my gifts. And I know that I make sense of things faster than other people. So I've learned to be patient. So you're probably wondering, okay, Dan, what's the gift of ADHD? I think the gift for me is that I've learned to spend time with the people I love. That's me, that's my wife, that's my 11-year-old daughter, that's my 34-year-old daughter and her husband and my baby girl. And that's what I've learned. That's the gift that ADHD has given me. We just had another little grandchild and his name is Benjamin. So there he is with his big sister looking up at her and I get to spend time with them. That little girl that wrote that note, I get to coach her in track and cross country and she's really good. You can see she's holding up a trophy last year. She, she was number one in her team in the cross country season. I get to spend time with her. And I don't think had I been as focused, had I been, had I had my plan together, I might've spent 20 years in the military and not raised my, I might've said, Hey, I got a plan. I don't have time to raise a little baby. Right. But, but I didn't, I said, Hey, I got to pay attention to that. And my attention shifted to I, what I think were the important things. So I do say that ADHD without bumpers is like being a fish trying to climb a tree. So for me, discovering my why gave me my bumpers. And that might not be what it is for you. It might be something different. It might be time you spend with a therapist. It might be you spend time with a coach. It might be you come to whyinstitute.com and discover your why. Whatever it is, I encourage you to find your bumpers. Thank you so much for letting me tell my story, Dr. James, Gigi, and thank you for including me in this amazing panel and I look forward to hearing the rest of you because I have learned so much already. I cannot wait. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. I like when you said, um, one of the slides said, because of, not in spite of, and knowing your why, your how, and your what. I hope you guys are taking notes. This is great information. Thank you again so much, Dan, for sharing. Thank Our you. Our next speaker is Cynthia Blackwell. Cynthia Blackwell is a known to many as a dynamic firecracker. I love that. Cynthia Blackwell is a business and life strategist, keynote speaker, and influencer, and author. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Cynthia Blackwell. Well, hello, everyone. It's wonderful to be here. And yes, this is some incredible information to fill in gaps of knowledge that we already have. Um, and yes, it's a gift having ADHD. That's the way that I look at it. Um, it has actually uh, helped me propel forward in life. Once I discovered how to leverage the unique things about my personality in combination with having ADHD. Now I share that with you. Um, and I will also share that 
I have made the decision not to go down the route of medication. So Dr. Jana, girl, I love the stuff that you shared. I mean, that was incredible to have some alternative organic healthy ways versus putting additional chemicals in our body. So having said that, what I'd like to touch on um, in the few moments that I have with you are the three ways in which you can leverage your personality with ADHD to experience explosive success. And so Daniel, I love your story and I love that you shared that. Now, I will share a little bit about me. Um, I did not know I had ADHD until I was well into my late 30s, early 40s. So that gives you an idea for me. I had already been married. I already had um, six adult children and my first grandchild on the way. Fast forward today, all six kids are adults out of the house, all six married, 10 grandkids and more coming. Okay. And then being an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, um, before realizing that I could leverage my personality and then also leverage having ADHD, connecting the two, marrying them for lack of a better description. So then that way, now I truly have this bomb, that firecracker, bam, for some explosive stuff to happen. And so let's dig right into it. Now, we're all familiar with personality assessments, personality surveys, different opportunities that are out in the marketplace. What I'm going to focus on with you is DISC and the principles of DISC. I love DISC because of the simplicity. There are four personalities, easy to remember, easy to connect and recognize another person's personality. So what I'm going to share with you is so quick and easy. Now, the first question to ask is, what is my pace? Self-awareness and knowing who I am is going to give me closer to learning how I can leverage ADHD because now I'm self-aware of who I am and what my personality traits are, okay? People connect in accordance to their pace, okay? Have you ever said that? Wow, I love her. I love him. They get me. We just connect, okay? It's because your pace is similar, okay? And so there are two questions to ask as the pace. Are, are, are they fast-paced? Am I fast-paced? Meaning, do I talk fast, move fast, make decisions quickly? Boom, 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 boom. And if I'm not trained, I'm not creating a plan. I'm getting an idea. I'm getting excited and I'm moving forward. Does that sound familiar, everybody? Absolutely, right? And so once I learned that there, it's important for me to have a roadmap or just a simplistic plan. Listen, it could be a one page, it could be a two page, okay? But top three goals and objectives of what I want to accomplish, okay? Now, getting back to pace, fast-paced people, those Ds and the Is, you know, we just, we want to take action, we want to drive results, okay? Um, and anybody who tries to slow us down or says slow down and plan a little bit, we look at them like they've got three heads and we're ready to chew those three heads off, okay? But once we realize, and I say we because I'm fast-paced in case you hadn't noticed, um, once I realized if I not slow down, but if I actually put some thought into it and write it down on a piece of paper, what excites me, what my idea is, and then dig into it, 
And then the other important piece is, here's the other set of personalities and their pace. The other group are more passive. They're not slower, y'all. They're more passive, methodical, analytical, and conscientious about what it is that they want to accomplish. They're intentional and they pay more attention to the details. Now, these two personalities also, in many instances, I'm finding people that have ADHD, even in and having those personality traits, okay? Now, again, we're connecting with another human being in accordance to their pace. Why is that important for us to know that about ourselves? Because fast-paced people need to plan. It's important for them. And then more passive personalities need to have a plan, but they also need to set deadlines, realistic deadlines that I'm going to do research, but I'm going to make a decision, okay, to move forward. So that's very important for both sets of personalities as it pertains to your pace. Now, people make decisions in accordance to priorities, things that are important to them and how they make decisions. And so the other set, now that we know what our pace is, and by the way, here's that asterisk, that used car asterisk, but I'll say it slowly. If you say to yourself, well, you know, I can turn it on and I can be fast when I need to, trust me, just stick, you're more passive. Now, if you're fast paced and you say, well, you know, I can slow down and, and, and I can sit down and I can write a plan, that's fantastic, but I'm telling you, you're fast paced, embrace it and just go with it, okay? Now, priorities. There are two different ways in which people make decisions. It's either going to be facts, all about the facts, all logic driven. I'm more skeptical. I'm more challenging the status quo. Now, we will call that group of people pessimists. That group of people will tell you, oh, excuse me, I am a realist. I look at things in real life, real time, I remove emotions from it and I'm looking at the facts of the matter, okay? Now, that's fantastic, but the other side, these other people are saying, well, yeah, I know we need to look at the facts, but um, I, I, it's more important to me that I feel good about whatever it is that I'm doing. So this other group is about how they feel about the act, how they feel about the idea. And then very importantly, who they're playing with, who they're going to be spending time with, who's going to be helping them. Because at the end of the day, all four personalities, we all want collaboration in some aspect or in some respect of achieving explosive success. Do y'all agree with that? We all want someone to play with on the playground to support us and help us. Now, Having said that, all four of the personalities, we need to have accountability in place. So what's most important is once I know what my pace is, and then once I know what my priorities are, it's important to have at least three accountability partners in our life that are coaching us and helping us and then also holding us accountable, but with love and support to help us achieve that. Now, the big picture is a part of all this is procrastination too. Can I get can I get an amen on that and some hands raised? We are all we all procrastinate. Now, fast-paced people tend to procrastinate more than the passive methodical analytical, meaning to take action 
the fast-paced people get excited about an idea. They start something, but they don't usually finish it. Sound familiar, everyone? Okay. The opposite of that, passive, methodical, analytical people, they won't start something because they're going to plan something to death. They're going to research it to death without taking action. And so, you know, again, ADD, ADHD, how do we leverage that? How do you leverage it? First, by recognizing and embracing the fact that we do have this beautiful, wonderful gift that God gave us. Okay. He also gave us our unique, beautiful personalities. And so procrastination. Okay. We can look at it either way. The most important thing to do is again, plan it. Now I love the magical power of three. I even wrote a book about it and I did over 10 years of research on the magical power of three. Now the three things to do no matter what your personality is, now that we have some self-awareness, I know my pace and I know my priorities. I know the people, or I have a stronger sense of the people that I need in my life to hold me accountable in a loving way to help me propel forward and achieve explosive success. As a part of that, the three things that are very important that you also take into consideration is, number one, my morning routine. What is it that I'm doing every single morning to set me up for success? Now. Our personalities, those two passive pay attention to um, uh, uh, details, they love processes and procedures, okay? That's their safety blanket. So if that's you, create a three-step process around you achieving explosive success by habit number one of the seven habits of highly effective people and looking and taking the end into consideration. What do I want to accomplish at the end? And then backing it up three simple steps. Okay. Now, the other thing is second is your sphere of influence. I've already touched on that. Who are the three people in your life that are helping you and holding you accountable and supporting you by asking what's your why? How are you going to do it? And what are you going to accomplish? What are your goals? Okay. Third thing is our activity that we do every single day. I am a big proponent when I'm working with clients and I practice this myself by creating your top three categories of focus every single day that are centered and aligned with your top three goals and objectives. And by the way, by doing that, you tend to focus on getting things done in those three categories instead of going all day long, squirrel, oh, 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 another notification. Hold on. Facebook's calling. I got to go look. Oh, the gram. Somebody just posted something really cool. Jason Aldean is in another small town somewhere causing chaos or whatever that might be, or a beautiful prayer. My point to you is this. Also invite and plan for those beautiful distractions. Allow yourself to have some distractions during the day. But also staying focused on and holding yourself accountable to your top three categories to focus. So there you go, my friends, three ways in which you can leverage your unique, beautiful personality to and also your ADHD or your ADD to experience explosive, incredible success. 
Thank you so much for the invitation to share with you today. I'm so glad that I got to share, but more importantly, selfishly, I'm so glad I got to listen to everybody else because I'm learning something. Thank you, Cynthia, for, for mentioning those three ways to leverage your ADHD. And not just that, the importance of the disassessment. I've taken the disassessment and it's helped tremendously. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I love your energy. So I was sitting here listening to you, right? You said the fast pace or the passive. I think I'm fast pace. I'm like, just get it done. Just go ahead and get it done. The passive, I'm like, nah, I've never been passive. So thank you for bringing that awareness to myself. So now I'm on fast pace. We got to meet where we are. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Our next speaker is Angelica Oosberger. Angelica is a multi-talented entrepreneur coming out of Baltimore, Maryland. Not only is she a fashion designer, model, artist, and actress, she also works as a business consultant, carpenter, and a coach. In addition, she is a nine-time best-selling author and international speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Angelica Ulesberger. All right. Hello, everybody. So since this is an ADHD conference and we all have ADHD, thinking we should, you know, get up and just stretch for a second because I'm sure we've all been sitting. It's one of the things that helps a lot with ADHD is getting your body moving. So for those who don't know me, pleasure to meet you. I'm Angelica. I'm actually a four-time best-selling author now, and I have gone through so much of my life struggling with ADHD. It's taken me so much to get to this point. I mean, I missed over 400 days of school like it, it's been bad and there's a lot of things I've had to learn. So one of the things is if you're somebody with ADHD, you actually, you tend to say people with ADHD are more impulsive and that, you know, puts us in danger. People with ADHD actually tend to die sooner. They get injured more often. And, you know, one of the things that kind of brings us to this is actually called emotional dysregulation. So ADHD, as we all know, it's just things aren't working right. It's emotional dysregulation. It's just dysregulation as far as you're functioning. But one of the hardest things we deal with is our emotions. I mean, I'm sure you guys have had those days where you're feeling fine and you just go just from down here to up here, just suddenly. And a lot of people don't have to deal with that. And that's one of the things that also makes us so resilient is that we have to go through this. You know, you have to build up so much strength to keep going. So what do we do about this emotional dysregulation? Well, there's actually a good amount of things we can do. So one of the things is actually called box breathing. So I want to go over this one really quick because, you know, when you're, when you go from zero to a hundred, sometimes you just can't slow down you know your thoughts are racing and you just need just need air okay so box breathing is basically think of it like a box four seconds or go four seconds in hold your breath for four more seconds let it out for four seconds hold for four seconds so you see how it's kind of a box as we go four 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 all right so i'm gonna count you guys just try to breathe with me so we can practice this so we go in two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. One more time. So breathe in, two, 
three, four, hold, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. So what box breathing does is it helps bring our nervous system down back to the regular level. It slows down our heart rate, slows down our breathing, and it kind of puts us back into a good place where we can think through our actions. We're not going to act impulsively. So another one I think is really great is it's for grounding. So I know when we can get really all up in our emotions, sometimes it's hard to just be present. So this is one I really like also. And it works for more than ADHD. If you have anxiety, it's also another good one if you're feeling dissociated. So I kind of think of it as a five, four, three, two, one. It's a senses game. So we think, okay, we have our senses, eyes, taste, we can hear, we can feel things. So let's start with five things we can see. We want to find five things in the room around us that are blue. Okay, so you look around for those five things. All right, and then four. What are four different things, you know, four different things you can feel, four different things you can touch, you know, feel each one of those things. Okay. And then you can do smell, you know, can you smell anything? All right. And then you can also go back to sight again. So then, you know, find two things that are yellow, right. And you look around and by doing this, it really brings you back into the present because I know a lot of us, well, I mean, I don't know, for at least me and a lot of other people, you know, it can be really hard to just get back into a state of presence. And it's so important to be present because when we aren't present, that's when we start, you know, we can make impulsive decisions or we're not really thinking about the consequences. And, you know, that's part of the reason that people with ADHD, you know, we get fired more, we get in trouble more. And by learning how to regulate our emotions, it can be so helpful in keeping us in a better place for a longer time. Right, and then, sorry. Sorry, I'm getting my signals like falling off. <laughs> See, and then that's another thing. With ADHD, things don't go right all the time. I'm sure you guys can relate to this. Things don't go right all the time. But that's one of the most amazing things about people with ADHD. We figure it out. We make it work. No matter what happens, we're not going to let anything stop us. So Steve Sims told this amazing story once. There's a few people in a room. It's actually people like Elon Musk, Richard Branson, and some other people. And some guy walked in and he said, the biggest group of failures I've ever seen. But he wasn't wrong. He was right. But that's because there's no success without failure. The people who succeed are the people that know that you will fail, but as long as you keep going, you're going to get there. So I know it can be a little harder with ADHD. Maybe we fail a little more, but we don't have to let that stop us because as long as we keep trying, as long as we keep going, we can find success. Well, it was a pleasure getting to be here today. Thank you to everyone. I hope something I said you know, might've struck a little chord and thank you for having me. Hope you guys all have a great day.
Thank you. And you raised such a great point. And I actually took note, I wrote it down, be present, very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely, Angelic. It's always a pleasure being on the platform with you. But I like the box breathing. I think I'm going to implement that on a daily basis. It really calmed me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing, Angelica. Our next speaker is Judy Swindle. She is a faith-based master transformational life coach and CEO of JS Heart and Soul Health and Life Coaching. Judy also shares her experience as a blogger and a public speaker who promotes women finding confidence, power, and voice to allow them to embody their truest selves and live in their purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Judy Swinzel. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me all right? Yes, ma'am. Uh, all right. I um, and just a little ADHD thing. I have to have things correct. It's swingle. <laughs> There you go. Um, I'm talking about uh, things that really touch parts of my own life and challenges that I've had. And that is going past the limiting beliefs for ADHD and other um, areas of life so that everyone can stand and arrive in their power. And in my own life challenges, experiencing educational biases and social biases uh, because of a seizure disorder as a childhood. In grade school, I was then diagnosed with dyslexia and visual perception disorder. And much later in life, in my late 50s, <laughs> sounds like a theme, I was diagnosed with ADD. Because of these experiences, there has been a fire of determination lit in me throughout my life. I overcame barriers and exceeded the perception of others and what they thought I might be able to achieve. I was told that I would never read or write and would not succeed in the career of choice, but I'm now telling you I'm a retired former nurse executive with two master's degrees. Overcoming the challenges helped me raise two children, one with ADD, one with ADHD. In the course of the last five years, my daughter and grandson had severe head traumas from a life-threatening car crash. Both have moderate brain trauma and memory loss and behavioral changes. This January, my husband experienced a severe stroke in three areas of the brain. Now he too has memory loss and problems with inattention. I believe truly that without a doubt, God brought me to and through these challenges so that I can help others and be as Esther in 414 for a time such as this. I also was brought here to speak up for others with similar challenges and struggles. I believe there's a blind bias that has been pervasive for years. I experienced it. I experienced it with my children, helping them through learning challenges, and now with my grandson. That social bias is a silent, insidious, societal, and educational bias towards people with educational limits who often don't fit the standard of society or those that the educational system uses. Social preferences and educators' assumptions of the capacity of 
a student or an adult learner with ADD or ADHD are based on decades of old standards and are still held as truths. The biggest challenge here is that most people are blind to it. People don't see ADHD unless there's a behavior associated with it or an incident associated with it. For the ADH child or adult, these biases are daily experiences and unfortunately, inattention, fidgeting and task completion or the failure of that are still characterized as lazy attention seeking. Someone's a class clown, a daydreamer, which we know Dan is a positive or behavior problems. My son, when he was two years old, before anyone would treat him because medications and treatments don't start until five because of having to get dosages right. When he was two years old, I'd take him to the doctor and every door, every drawer would be opened and slammed about five times. It was like a drum show. My daughter, when she was in school, she was visit. She was visiting is what the teacher would say. She was social. She liked to play with her hair and she was a daydreamer. Girls typically or women typically are underdiagnosed because they see it as a girly behavior. The truth is the educational system have the skills and the tools to assist, but often because of budgetary reasons or staffing re reasons are discouraged from sharing or offering them. The parent or the adult with ADHD must know how to access and request those services themselves. I have an example, brief example of that as well. I am, yeah, I said I was a former nurse executive. I ran two large nursing home uh, programs at the same time, two different locations. And part of that is knowing about a sensory room. I built a sensory room and a renovated part of the program. We're in an educational program, and Blake was having some behavioral issues in school, I asked about the sensory room at school. And I was told, oh, we don't use that for behavior modification or to give them a break. We use it for education. And it just blew my mind because I knew exactly what a sensory room is for. It is for allowing the person to take a mental break, to use that energy, to reinforce it somewhere else. Employers they are getting just on board, beginning to understand the needs and unique adaptations needed for employees with ADD and helping to make those modifications for them. As a culture, we're taught to look away or don't stare when someone exhibits a physical, emotional, or behavioral element of a condition, thus creating situational blindness and eventually we don't see them anymore. How can we help a group that we don't see? Ever since a child, seen a child acting out in the doctor's office, maybe, or they're very busy and annoying others, what do most people do? They look away, they whisper to their friend, why doesn't their parent do something? There's eye rolling. What if we offered a kind word or assistance to the parent or engage the child? 
to help relieve the parents' overwhelm. For parents of ADHD children, it's very hard to control them. You can't. You need to learn how to redirect that energy and find something that will hold their attention. My son, Mark, was as busy of a child as he is any ADHD person. I have multiple stories I could share. But you put a 3D puzzle in front of him, and he would spend four to six hours sitting there completing it, I believe, because in a puzzle, the, the scenery is constantly changing every time you add a piece. So how do we see these people? Our society and education system must learn how to look into the potential in each individual and what they can do versus what is perceived that they can't. When we inspire and help cultivate confidence and freedom for them, then they can stand in their truth. Over time, adapting and overcoming barriers and perceptions requires individuals to build resilience to challenge their expected outcomes. How does building resilience help the ADHD individual succeed in life? Well, this is not without frustration, anxiety, or anger, but resilience requires emotional distress. If we never experience disappointment, stress, or frustration, we never learn how to deal with it. As long as this is not a pervasive, long emotional distress or overwhelm, then resilience and experience in these situations is character building and skill building. It's essential to teach those with ADHD or other brain traumas to know their personal limits regarding overwhelm and what triggers them. But the good news research shows that having improved resilience traits leads to improved learning and academics, less work and school absenteeism, community and social engagement, fewer risk behaviors such as substance abuse, alcoholism, smoking, and so on. But other health outcomes and benefits from resiliency are improved mood, resistance to stress, and improved coping, better recovery after surgery or injury, and my favorite is successful aging and improved well-being as we age. That is the, this is the lesson in resiliency with ADHD. In life, you succeed sometimes, not in spite of your obstacles, but because of them. Think of watching the surfer. I'm sure surfers, when they first start, they fall off that board more than they get up. But when you watch a surfer, seasoned surfer, paddle out, chase that wave after wave, learning where the good surf is, and then they hit it. And they can successfully ride that wave in gloriously after dozens of attempts. The failures we have to remember with ourselves and those with ADHD are the lesson. So the ADHD individual has to rethink failure. It's not what the obstacle is. It's what you become by overcoming it.
What you become is what I call life abilities. They are the obstacles, skills, lessons, and habits and behaviors that are created by working through these challenges, and they become our life abilities to serve and educate us for future events and purposes. There are no longer liabilities or disabilities. This lesson of failure in preparing the ADHD individual for the next step is seeing the unsuccessful attempts as feedback. It alleviates the attack on the ego and motivates them to try again. I have developed a six key uh, tool to arrive at resilience. And this is the writer downer. If you have paper and want to vertically write the word arrive in caps, A-R-R-I-V-E. Give you a second to do that. The first is affirming. You you're, affirm your belief in self through faith, prayer, meditation, and verbal affirmation sets a tone for belief in higher power and self. You rely on your tribe and ask them for help when needed. Your loved ones want to help you, and it's okay not to be okay. No false masks. Resist overwhelm and overdoing. Know your limits and the warnings of overwhelm. And you are not responsible for other people's problems, which they might want to pile on you or to fix them. Remember, be the stewardess. Know where your exits are and put your oxygen on first. Intentions. I. All trials, struggles, and challenges that we experience have a positive intention for us. Reflect on what great strength and traits or skills you've gained because of this journey. Then your values. Each of us have unique circumstances and events around our birth. The timing, the emotions, the home situation make it unique, creating its own unique emotional value. Those key values are family rules. They're ingrained values of each family that create a culture, whether they're spoken or not. The culture of you and your family unit is unique dynamic for each one, whether it's ethnic, cultural, or spiritual. The environment, beliefs, and practices provide bonding values and help with coping and problem solving. E. Evaluate where have you been and the progress you have made. You are doing better than you anticipate because we can't see through the forest or the fire when we're in it. So turn around and see how far you've come. So all three of those, A-R-R-I-V-E, you arrive in your power. The preconceived ideas of someone's capabilities, and they just promote unspoken and unseen biases and can create lifelong imprinted beliefs in someone. These biases are pervasive and silent thieves, robbing the individual with ADHD of their divine purposeful potential, and our society continues to let it. We need to instill empathetic, emotionally intelligent communication skills. That's a lot of words. 
but teach our children to think of other people's thoughts, feelings. What is the social situation and the culture that they're living in? Engage them. When we do this, we will aid in stopping the marginalizing of individuals who desire and strive to improve or stretch their capabilities. My passion is to set a path to end social and educational biases as silent and visible thieves that rob our ADHD adults and children and citizens of the potential greatness these divinely wonderfully made people can achieve. My dream, my prayer is we all as a society wake up to the greatness around us and anyone who has been marginalized, underestimated, or sidelined because of a real or perceived disability or deficit takes this action. When someone doubts your capabilities, makes you feel less than, or tries to put you in a box of their design, arrive in your power, stand up and say, you watch me. Thanks. Thank you, Judy. Thank you so much, Judy. I like, because um, Daniel had said the same thing, but he said it differently. You said in spite of, not because of, and he said because of, not in spite of. So I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And also, I like that arrive. Affirming, relay, resist, values, and evaluate. I hope you guys took that down. Arrive. Thank you so much, Judy, for sharing. You're welcome. And we have two more speakers left, but before I introduce our next speaker, I would like to thank our sponsors, Ragne Sinikas, founder of World Women Conference and Awards, uh, Michael B. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, Daniel Gomez, keynote speaker, and Melanie H. She is the founder of Everyday Leaders Professional Coaching and Consulting, and myself, I am the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Our next speaker is Dan Roth. I'm putting up your bio now. Dan Roth is an award-winning internationally recognized recruiter, DEI program manager, and keynote speaker. Diagnosed with attention deficit disorder at age seven, Dan struggled with anxiety and depression from an early age. It is, it is this lived experience and dedication creating more equitable world for his twin daughters that have enabled and motivated him to break through the, the confinements of societal norms and discussing topics often deemed too uncomfortable. These topics include systematic inequities, the role of corporations in facilitating lasting change, mental health, and domestic violence. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dan Roth. Thank you. And one of those twins is right here. So you may likely see her and possibly hear her. You need to be quiet now for, okay? Shh. But maybe at the end, I'll talk to her. Um, she doesn't always have the best manners. So anyway, thank you for that great introduction. It's fantastic to be here. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Dan Roth. I've, I found out I had ADHD around age seven. The part that I didn't incorporate into that is I also have language processing disorder, which means that I know what I'm trying to say up here, but it doesn't always come out appropriately out here. And the reason that's important is that led to a lot of bullying over time and my reality. And then I'll get into the crux of what I want to talk about is that I spent the bulk majority of my life, like many other people with ADHD, job hopping, unsure, trying to catch up on a social 
uh, on, a, on the social side because I was so focused on my work the bulk majority of the time. So when my children were born was right at the beginning of the pandemic, or right, no, sorry, before, right before the pandemic. And I found myself a new twin dad, twin girl dad, uh, unemployed. And the field I was in wasn't working. So it was at that point where I turned, I said, Hey, for the first time in my life, I'm going to step out of the shadows and I'm no longer going to hide my ADHD. I'm going to reframe, repurpose, reinvigorate, and people are going to love me or hate me depending on who I am. And I'm fine with that. Haley, sit in the chair, please. Sit in the chair, please. Are you going to go up to Aunt Maddie? Thank you. Kids. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because through that process and through the discovery of, okay, well, I'm going to live and die on my own merit. Uh, I became globally recognized as a recruiter in the space. And what I'm really here to talk to you about, I'm going to do my best to, to make a brief is the true reality of what's going on in the job force right now for those with neuro, with neurodiversity in general. Um, but with specificity to ADHD. So the truth of the matter is that the ADA really only covers anxiety and depression. ADHD is not covered uh, within the confines of the ADA to my knowledge. If I'm wrong, please feel free to let me know. Um, and because of that, a lot of people that have ADHD that are neurodiverse feel very uncomfortable sharing to this day most companies don't really have programs allowing for accessibility options when you're coming in. And the ones that do, um, the ones that do make it so hard to find, they never actually know where to go. And even in those points that they do know where to go, there's this discomfort because if you're trying to make it this hard for us to find where it is, to get the accommodations, how can I be guaranteed that the visual representation that I'm conveying is not going to be seen with conscious and unconscious bias? We know the world was built on inequities, so what reason do we have to believe that it's going to be any different? And the truth of the matter is, having worked in the highest levels of corporate, having worked in a position where it was my job to create change and create the infrastructure for change, I could tell you that on a micro level, there's a lot of people that do want to support those with neurodiversity. But when you get to the higher levels, there's a holding pattern. It's a lot of uh, living down the street and around the corner. And for those that don't know what I mean is when you're somebody that's trying to make a difference and you keep getting held up by other people that aren't ready for that change to occur. Haley, go to Aunt Maddie right now. Yeah. Yes. Kids. Um, so there's a lot of issues that are that are really coming into play with it. And I could tell you more times than not, I've been gaslighted uh and treated less than because of the fact I'm ADHD. And I'm one of those people, like when I stepped out and said, okay, well, I'm going to live my life the way that I'm intended. When I fill out job applications, every single time I'm filling out, do you have a disability? Yes, I do. Now, do I consider myself disabled? No, but I understand that for other people to feel comfortable 
in the knowledge that they can do it, that there's a foremost, um, there's some people that are going to have to step up to announce it, to push it, to never stop talking about in order to create a better society. Because now we take all this that's happened and we look at the amount of DEI roles in the last two years that have been like, oh, hi, I'm one of them. And what we see is the cyclical cycle where companies are saying all the right things when something happens that forces them to, and then they're not following through on what they said. And the truth of the matter, and, and I'm not trying to provide this rosy outlook, I'm here to provide the truth, but the, the truth of the matter is that this is a society, the way that it was built, this is not a mistake that's been happening. This is the way that it was actually created to operate because companies don't have to pay people as much if they're looking at them with having a disability or there's biases internalized. So, you know, how do we fix this? How do we go about, Haley, you're about to be grounded. So how do we go about actually fixing this? It's going to be a hard, long, windy road. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's only a small, small, small percentage of people that even understand neurodiversity. One of the reasons it doesn't get diagnosed as much as it should is because the number of specialists are so grossly uh, small that even when people go to med school, there's not a there's not a large environment. There's no going to school for ADHD unless you're going to go to something like ADCA, the ADHD Coaching Academy run by David Quirk. And even then, you're getting your certifications, but that's not from a psychiatry component. So there's no ability to determine what's the actual best course for you, which, which in turn leaves a lot on the parents. The point I'm trying to make and the position that I always take is this. It's going to take the fierce few that continue to step up and continue to talk and continue to push and continue to work with those employee resource groups that continue to go past the red tape, that continue to force the hand and find the angle every time they're pushed in a different direction that are going to allow for us to grow as a society. And I'm talking not just in the United States, I'm talking as a global society. Neurodiversity is very much under uh, misunderstood globally, not just in the US. In fact, in a lot of countries, neurodiversity and ADHD isn't even recognized. So those strong few have to step forward. But we can't force it. Because as much as I hate this about DEIB, and I don't, and in terms of racism, I don't adhere to this. But in terms of this aspect, I do. We do have to meet people how where they are at a certain extent, and it's sad because most people are way behind where they should be. But there's hope because people are talking. Not going to keep any more time. I've got my twins to work with. Gigi, I want to thank you uh, for allowing me to be here. Please feel free to contact me with any questions. I appreciate all of you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. I like never stop talking about it. You guys heard that? Never stop talking about it. Thank you so much, Dan, for sharing. Now, our next speaker is Lisa Allgood. Lisa Allgood is an author, speaker, and the host of Jesus and Me, an ADHD podcast. 
Lisa is a qualified ADHD coach. She provides a safe, compassionate place for self-discovery. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our speaker, Lisa Alden. Hi, everybody. Hey, Lisa. So Hi. Hi, Gigi. I just want to say re really quick, um, Dan, I don't know how you managed all those transitions with your child. Like that is one of the biggest challenges with ADHD and you like did, were well, like a champ. I'm impressed. I want to say thank you. My other daughter is autistic and this is, you know, I, one of the things with the pandemic is I wound up being a full-time dad for the first 18 months of their life. And it's the greatest blessing I've had, but you learn quick, but I appreciate the acknowledgement. I know how hard that is. Okay. Sorry, Gigi. No, not a problem. So we have the Q and a section here. So Lisa, tell us a little bit more about your experience with ADHD. Okay. So, you know, I love, I kind of love that I got to go after everybody because I kind of got to hear everybody's story, right? Judy, I loved what you said about resilience requires emotional distress. I'm going to try to figure out how to, how to tell my teenager that because I think that's fantastic. Um, but I was uh, actually just diagnosed a couple of years ago at, at uh, 52. Um, so as I think it's been said on numerous occasions, the whole thing about women and how women present and how girls present and all of that, it's missed a lot. Um, another thing I would like to say, uh, going off of what Dan said in a way, is that as a person with an ADHD brain, you need to understand that you're the expert on your ADHD. You cannot go to an expert, you cannot go to a doctor, you cannot go to anyone thinking that they're going to have answers. Because as Dan said, they don't, they're not getting the training, they, they have no idea. So you have to advocate for yourself, you have to advocate for your kids, you just learn, research, there's tons of information out there. Um, so I, I got diagnosed, and unfortunately, it, it was in a extreme, under an extreme amount of stress, my brain kind of decided it wasn't going to cooperate anymore. and wasn't going to, uh, my old systems didn't work. And so I ended up getting, actually getting diagnosed much to my shock. I had two kids that were diagnosed, but if you research ADHD, you know, it talks about the stereotypical hyperactivity and, you know, all these things that I've never dealt with. So, um, the diagnosis was, was really, really good though. I think getting diagnosed is very empowering back to what a lot of people said about, uh, essentially being who you are, right? Finally giving yourself, Dan talked about, you know, basically giving yourself permission to be who you are. That is a huge key for ADHD for you to move forward. Awesome. Lisa, tell us more about your faith in ADHD or your higher power. Tell us a little bit more. Right. So, um, so when I was diagnosed, like I said, it was very empowering. I learned, I actually went through ADCA, Dan, I'm really, I like that, you know, we're at the love ADCA, um, phenomenal program, their understanding of ADHD, it, it was so validating too, ironically. Um, through all my research, I decided, you know, I want to go help. I'm, I can't like be quiet about this because it's, people need to know and, and people that have ADHD need to understand it um, so they can stop telling themselves all these horrible things about themselves, that they're lazy, that they're stupid. Uh, why can't I just do it like, you know, Christine? she's successful, you know, her house is immaculate. Why can't, why can't I do that? So it was key in me understanding that I needed, instead of trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up, I needed to figure out who I was and who I wanted to be. That is just that little shift in how you say something is huge. 
Um, and through allowing myself to be who I am, I would actually like allowed myself, like my brain to work how it naturally works. And that led me into a much deeper relationship with God. And my, my final piece, I believe the final piece in, in understanding who you are is you have to understand who you are and you have to completely and totally surrender to that. And that's where I found my, uh, my purpose. That's where I found my, I'm in sync with everything in my life is all in sync now because of that. So through that, you know, I, God allowed me to, to, I went through a lot to get here, but to get that diagnosis and then in that, get a better understanding of what the relationship is with him and the impact that I can have through that relationship. Um, And so that has made, ultimately that was the key that that I believe that that is the key to that self-acceptance and to that giving you, it's really about giving yourself grace to be who you are. And, and you can't have that without knowing who you are. Thank you, Lisa. And at this time, I turn it back over to Dr. Lakeisha James. Take it away. Oh, my God. You guys are amazing. You know that? I've learned so much today. Um, thank you guys so much for being more and transparent. I'm sure everyone that is tuning in today has learned something that they did not know. Because there's a lot of things I did not know. So thank you so much for being transparent and vulnerable and sharing and just being your true self. Like I said, you can't know who you are until you know who you are. I like that. I like that. And I think all of us on this platform are Christians, so we can pretty much relate to whose we are. So thank you so much, speakers, for sharing your truth. And then also, we're going to have some closing remarks for our visionary Jesus. And then we're going to close out with prayer. Absolutely. I just want to say, wow, absolutely amazing. Again, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our speakers and our our keynote here, Amy Lee. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Wow. I appreciate you so much. And and, and thank you all for attending today and just grateful for each and every one of you. And, And as you all have learned today, as far as ADHD goes, again, there's so many stigmas, but now you're you're aware of, of how these warriors right in front of us today, right? amazing warriors with with ADHD or with a child with ADHD or someone with ADHD that they know is bad or is fighting every single day, is literally fighting every single day. And you're aware of the symptoms of ADHD and and going back to what Ms. Champagne shared over there today with amazing research and studies and, and again, reliable sources that were shared, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I can't tell you enough, just grateful for each and every one of you. And Angelica, I didn't forget about you as well. Thank you for that amazing talk and grateful for each and every one of you. At this time, we're going to end with a prayer. Dr. James, can you end us out with a prayer, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for this day that you have created, and we are signaling rejoicing. We thank you, Father, for the creation, Father, the creation of each and every person on this platform that was vulnerable enough to share their experience with ADHD, Father. We thank you right now for being the strength, Father. We thank you for their voice because they're the voice for the voiceless ones. We thank you right now for their journey. We thank you for each and every person that has watched this segment on today, Father. We ask you to touch them right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, touch them right now and give them understanding and wisdom, Father, that they were created who they were created to be, Father. You are a great creator. You are the great I am. We thank you right now for this day, Father. We thank you for each and every person. We thank you for Gigi, Father, the one that you birthed all of this, Father, and she always brings people together for the greater good. We thank you, Father, for being the joy in our day. We thank you for waking us up this morning, Father. We thank you for the brand new day. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. God bless you and be safe.
God bless.